I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter talk about the upcoming plans for Ian Publishing and Level Up Advanced 5th Edition. In the news, Wizards of the Coast has a new Senior Vice President of Dungeons & Dragons, your chance to design a D&D Lego set, pre-orders for Abomination Vault for 5th Edition are now open, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the less-than-exotic names of spells. This week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Quickshot's Crossbow Delicatessen. Delicatessen? Are they sure about that name? Nah. Well, if you need a repeating crossbow, a ballista, bumblebee mark II hand crossbow, the one that has quite a sting, collapsible spike thrower, dart gun, or even an enchanted fire shooting crossbow, or an icicle launcher, Quickshot's vast warehouse of more than two dozen crossbows will keep your enemies in the firing line. <laughs> I see what they did there. Very droll. All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is. Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. This week we are sadly bereft of the one, the only, Jessica Hancock from Ian Publishing. Uh, because Jessica's on holiday, so that's okay. Yes, she's in a Spain. Yes, yes. Apparently. We don't a know Spain. which Spain. A Spain. We're not going to no. divulge which Spain, but she's in a Spain. New Spain. She's travelled back in time <laughs> so that she can live her best life as a pirate queen. That is well, the we only will acceptable outcome. we have to struggle on we will without, have to. without a Jessica. I'm yeah, sure we so. can do it. We did yeah. it for two years. I'm sure we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was more than two, but sure. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was actually, wasn't it? it was three or four. Yeah, okay. So, 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 so let's do some RPG news. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I'm going to start with some slightly not RPG news, actually. But it's D and D. It's D and D news, and normally, like, we normally just cover RPGs. Yeah. So. But this is D and D Lego. Which is slightly off topic, but it is a thing that exists. But I'm going to allow it, because I do like Lego. You and like Lego and you, your... and you like D&D. Yeah, so it's your show, so I can do what I want to. Wait, that's making sense. Is that how it works? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Anyway, here we go. Yeah. So this is Lego Ideas, mm-hmm. which is a program where fans submit concepts for Lego sets based on certain themes, mm. and then the winner gets theirs made into a Lego set, and they get a percentage of the profits. Oh, Oh wow, that last bit. So they've done, yeah, they've been doing, they're doing them for a few years. There's all sorts of stuff, and some yeah. of them sort of like themed around educational subjects, like space or dinosaurs yeah. or something. Some are themed around properties. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's been yeah. a DeLorean. There's been from Back to the Future. There's been all sorts of stuff. Mm. Star Wars ones, but this one's a D and D one. Oh. So okay, it's kind of time to coincide with the D and D fiftieth anniversary. So presumably the actual set will appear in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, the winning entry. Obviously, yeah. becomes an official Lego set, and the winner gets one percent of the total net sales of the product. Oh, good lord! Wow, a percentage. Yeah, that, <laughs> it does seem net a lot of sales. Is, that might be like Hollywood accounting. That's where no movie in history has ever made a profit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can, you can, you can head on over to ideas.lego.com and, um, yeah, give it a, give it a shot if you like, if you like Lego and you like yeah. D&D, why not? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, these things are like, they come out, they tend to be like 200 quid or something when they, when they mm. come out these days. Lego is really expensive. Yes, yes. Plastic gold, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is you just lose one piece and then that whole 200 quid thing is useless. You could just get another one. Well, you could, but often, like yeah, but often they're like really weird specialist pieces specifically uh, for that set, aren't they? So you can't. But the rest of the thing, you can do that. If you, yeah. if you want to do that, you can do that. Yes. Okay. I suppose you but, could even 3D print it if you had a 3D printer. I, mean, I suppose. There you, you go. Could. I found a second use for 3D printers. Oh, Two print missing Lego pieces. Sadly, I do not have a 3D printer. Well, I don't know, Russ. Maybe it's time you join the rest of us in 20 years. I would, I would like one, but I'm going to wait until they're just a bit more convenient and a bit cheaper, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, currently I don't have that much use for it because they have, like, little plasticky things that break too much in my house. Mm. And I do have a backlog of tiny, tiny little plastic men that need painting. Yeah, fair enough. Right, there's a new magazine now. Yeah. In the UK only. Oh. It's called Dungeons and Dragons Adventurer. And it's a collaboration between Wizards of the Coast and UK magazine publisher Hachette Partworks. Okay. And it's designed as a magazine to teach you D&D. Oh, okay, wow. So it's a weekly magazine, yep. and you need to subscribe to it. Yep. Although it is available, I think, in some UK stores, but I don't know where exactly. But you need to subscribe to it. They've got 80 issues, weekly issues planned so far. Uh, W.H. Smith has just tucked him behind the white wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the first issue is only one ninety nine, super cheap. Hmm. Subsequent issues get a bit more. The second one is four ninety nine, and then they're seven ninety nine onwards. Hmm. Okay. And each one comes with a free gift as well. So it might be a dice set or a key ring. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the gifts get quite good, like a DM screen and a binder and a dice tower with your seventh delivery, oh. which is quite quite an impressive free gift. So it yeah. kind of feels to me, it's more like a loot box with an attached magazine <laughs> rather than the other way around. Um, yes, we'll teach but, you how to play D&D. Yeah. 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 So they describe it here. Dungeons & Dragons Adventure is a brand new part work. I don't mm. know what part work means. That teaches you how to play the world's most popular tabletop role-playing game with an exclusive adventure, easy step-by-step instructions, and all the background information you need to start creating your own characters and become a D&D expert. Collect the specially designed dice given throughout the collection and join us on a wild ride through the D&D journey of life. Oh, amazing. And then if you have a premium subscription, which costs a bit more, you get miniatures as well. Oh, okay. Ah, a part work magazine uh, Google provides, or DuckDuckGo to be perfectly precise, is one of those magazines where they send you a part of a model or something each week. Oh, right. You used to really get like a model yeah. space shuttle and you get a bit of it each. Yeah, okay. Precisely. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's a bit like that. Okay, okay. So after a mere seven weeks, seven months, you'll be able to play a game of D&D. <laughs> is that how it's going to work? So what? This, this one, you've just got the grappling rules. In the next one, you've just got... <laughs> you have to build your base hamper. <laughs> bit by bit. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think... I think I think Southampton Guild role players, we can get you started a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know, to be honest. But, uh, it's yeah. what, it's that's UK, what Part it's, Work magazine is. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> it's UK only as well. Mm. That's unusual. Yes. Oh, well. Hey, did you know there's someone new in head of D&D? Is in it? charge of D&D. Oh, who's that then? So it's a guy called Dan Rawson who's come over from 
Xbox, uh, not Xbox, uh, Microsoft, where he oh, was right. COO of Microsoft Dynamics 365. Okay. The second person they've hired from Microsoft too, they also hired earlier this year Cynthia Williams, who was running mm-hmm. the Xbox, that's why I said Xbox, running an Xbox. Ah, uh, yes. Right, right, right. So they're, they're bringing over people with digital capabilities and putting them in high-level positions at Wizards of the Coast. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, like 365, that's the name for the office suite that they mm. stuff. I'm like, I was like, well, I could pay for Microsoft Office or I could use OpenOffice, which is mm. free. So that's what I went with. Anyway, um, so Way Winninger has been running D&D for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, hasn't, he no longer has any mention of Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro in his Twitter bio. Oh. Does this mean that he's being replaced by Rawson? I'm not sure. Oh. Can only speculate. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, in the absence of information, we're forced to retreat to wild and unfounded speculation. Yeah, so basically he's the new senior vice president at um, Wizard of the Coast, and he's yeah. in charge of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Completely in charge of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And he's got a big background in digital stuff, digital capabilities and opportunities. Have a... Have a well, they are... And also they bought D&D Beyond as well. Yeah, they are pivoting to move it so you can play D&D as a mobile game. Yeah. That, that's uh, the big announcement. Well, I'm taking away from the big announcements. So, and they've uh, been yeah. talking about their virtual tabletop thing. So yeah, it looks like they really are moving really heavily into turning D&D into a digital... I thought it was going to be digital only, but it kind of feels like it might be digital first, with the books more as an accessory. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, after all, who doesn't love microtransactions? You want a list of people who don't love microtransactions, because it might take me a while, and I can get started if you like. How many people are there in the world? Could I have a shorter list of people who... <laughs> do like microtransactions. Yes. <laughs> uh, people who run um, digitally-focused companies. They like perhaps, them. perhaps. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, do they even like them, or do they tolerate them as a necessary evil? Yeah, no, like, I think they like them because it makes them a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's uh, excellent stuff that Wizards of the Coast is doing so much to expand the role-playing game market. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that. Well, that's that anyway. So, um... What else have we got in the news? So, Paizo, you can now order the 5e version of the Abomination Vaults Adventure Path. Dangerous. Characters from 1st to 11th level, starts in a mysterious lighthouse called Gauntlight, and sends the players through the dungeon levels beneath it. Ooh. So you can pre-order it now. It comes out in March 2023. So this, is, this, isn't, this isn't the first of their 5e things. They did that with Kingmaker as well. Mm. Or they did a no, they did a 5e monster bestiary for Kingmaker, didn't they? That so you, you, sounds vaguely so familiar. Yeah, they they definitely didn't do Kingmaker. Kingmaker was a 5e conversion, because I would definitely remember that. The only, it's like, but it's part of their ongoing program. For instance, the Rise of the Rune Lords converted to Savage Worlds. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no, Kingmaker, they released it for, one, re-released it for 1e and mm. 2e Pathfinder, and mm-hmm. also a bestiary, Kingmaker bestiary, yes. for 5e, which you can use along with those books, so basically mm. switching monsters out okay. with the bestiary. So you can so, hack it on the fly sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. Um, they also announced a new playtest class called the Kineticist. Yes, yes, I've heard about that one. I think they had uh, Jason Bullman run a game, which was... All the designers played kineticists to see what oh. it would be like. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, that's we're in August 2023. We'll see the final version of it because it will be in Rage of Elements, and basically, it's a class that channels elemental energy. Mm. 
So presumably just, you know, fire and water and ice and things like that. Oh, yeah. you, you never know. They might uh, have adopted some of the Chinese stuff and gone for gold and wood as well. Maybe. Woodbender. Maybe. That's what I'd like to see. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. We, not but us. I suppose there, there probably is a way to find out. I could just click on it and find out, but I'm not going to. That seems like a lot of effort for us. <laughs> yes. That yeah. does seem like a lot of effort. Especially when I have another topic to cover, which is, have you heard of the secret world? Mmmorbica. <laughs> oh, Russ. Your pronunciation. Mm. <laughs> Forever separated by a common language. Which <laughs> is my idiom. It is, it is. I, uh, well, okay. Now, and, it gives and me pleasure and creates a small but tiny little bit of amusement in my life to deliberately mispronounce words. And Mumamorka is what I'm going to mispronounce today. Mumamorka. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, tell me more about this MMORPG yeah. Secret World. So, I don't know anything about it, but I'm reading this off the screen. It takes place in an <laughs> urban fantasy setting where secret global conspiracies... Did you really think I'd know about a Mumamorka? It was unlikely, part, wasn't it? For the past four years, I've just assumed that you and Jess were 100% clued in to all the things. No, you know that no I'm, idea an I'm, the, I'm the leading Tell's world calling. expert on anime, as you know, so... Uh, well, indeed, yes. There isn't room for Mumamorkas as well. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it's especially impressive, your world expertise, considering <laughs> your inability to see uh, animated material on the screen. <laughs> I, I, I admire your ability to overcome that disability. It's, I know, it's I know. your inspiration it's to us all, Russ. Yeah. Anyway, so this one, The Secret World, urban fantasy setting, secret global conspiracies rife for control of a world full of magic and cryptids, yes. cooperating just enough to protect the world from Lovecraftian entities and occultists attempting to destroy it. So that's the Memorica. Um, there's going to be an RPG, 5e-powered, of course, isn't everything, coming, going to hit Kickstarter this week or next week? Yes. Soon, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it features three of the video game factions, Dragon, Illuminati, and Templar, nine classes, new backgrounds, feats, equipment, mm. um, rules for subclass switching via power oh, cards, okay. which apparently emulates some of the mechanics in the MMO. Okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, let's go nuts. Yeah, it, it'll make it more interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh, this is, this has launched. Look, there we go. Um, it ends on November the third. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's doing very well indeed. What's their so, so goal? It's done. It had a forty thousand dollar goal. It's done eighty thousand dollars, and it's still got twenty seven days to go. Wow. Do you ever feel we're in the wrong racket? Maybe we should be doing computer games or something. But this is an RPG. It's a computer game, Russ. Yes, but this Kickstarter's for an RPG. Oh, nice one. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, so that, that is a thing. That is a thing. Hey, you've got a Kickstarter, haven't you? Running right now. Yeah, I do. Uh, one if by land, two if by sea, three if by air. Mm. Uh, it has funded, which I... I know what that title means, but for the benefit of those who don't necessarily recognise the phrase, do you want to well, explain where that comes from? Yeah, I quite liked, um, was it the poem of Paul Revere, and it was all about the British are coming. And since mm. I am British, I thought that would be a little nod culturally speaking, and it was a nice way. Yeah, but look, I mean, people who listen to this podcast know my views on a title telling you what is in the game, whilst also being kind of funny. So there you go. Um, it's like just different ways to explain that there's vehicles coming by land, sea, and air. And yeah. mm. and there's basically a book of new vehicles for yes. Level of Advanced Fifth Edition. That's correct, yes, as well as... Um, Various things to help make it 
easier to use them because due to space reasons, you couldn't give each of the vehicles in Advanced Rift Edition its own stat block, which is sort of an implied stat block, but you have to do a lot of work to draw it out. And what I'm doing is part of my mission, the homebrew hacking mission, is to make a GM's life easier. I've drawn it out. So, yeah, it's beautifully illustrated, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, people who've seen the Dragons vs. Spy Planes game have had a small look at Alex Connolly's amazing art. And on the Kickstarter page, you can treat your eyes, if they are sore and wary, to seeing the full front cover, to seeing the back cover, which is uh, a rather jolly knight on a red motorcycle with a lance couched, while in the sidecar, an archer rests their bow, ready to shoot away. And you've got various uh, bits of bobs. So, yeah. Um, How's it doing? Is it doing well? Uh, I, I, as I say, I funded. I've got £1,800, which is... Why 80,000 makes me say, huh, maybe I'm in the wrong racket. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to unlock stuff like the dramatic vehicle stunts, which you've had the pleasure of playtesting, and which I have to hit with a 15 pound lump hammer to get into a feasible state to put in front of people. But like I say, my whole ethos is for a GM, it should be as easy as possible to use my rules in game because I'm a GM and that's what I want from my... <laughs> From rules up from a side pick. I don't want to have to learn new stuff. That's that's not why. Why would I pay to learn new stuff? Crazy talk. Um, I'll have new fi- I'll have new toys to play with. I like that. Well, good luck. Yes. And your uh, your Kickstarter finished the other day. It did. Yes. It did. Yes. yes. On one hundred and eighty-three thousand pounds, I think about two hundred thousand dollars, roughly. Or depending okay. on what the pound's doing today, about <laughs> twenty-five seven dollars. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Well, well, don't forget, we'll soon be moving to decimisation, so I believe that's as many as five new pounds and 24 groats. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but congratulations. I believe, if I recall correctly, that you did, in fact, smash all your stretch goals? Yes. Smashed them. That's a very violent, violent metaphor. It is the language we, of Kickstarters, my friend. We serenely passed them. <laughs> you sell past them gracefully. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, they're more, more swan-like. Less Frankenstein's monster-like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like a, like a Kool-Aid man, you dentally tiptoed into the room, and now I believe you're committed to producing, what's that, eight separate sorts of uh, random dungeon generator? They're pretty much done now. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> people, people will be seeing them very, very soon. I was just playing with Paul Hughes, who's doing the coding for that, and shot me over a demo of it mm. just yesterday, and I was just playing around with it, generating yes. some random dungeons and stuff, and it looks pretty cool, and he's a few little tweaks, but it's pretty much there. Nice. Way earlier than we said it would be, because we're just that good. Ah, uh, under-promise, over-deliver. Yes, that's the uh, Scotty. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a maxim that I always try and strive yes. to live by, so yeah. 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 Anyway, moving on. So Ed yeah. Greenwood. Oh yes, yes. yes. The Forgotten you know, Realms. He, he yeah. created the the, the the Forgotten Realms. Yes. And he sold them to TSR mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty seven. The original TSR, yeah. The original TSR in nineteen eighty seven, yeah. Yeah. Guess how much he sent them for? Sold them for? Ooh, seven hundred dollars. Seven no, not seven hundred dollars, no. More than seven hundred dollars. Oh, seven thousand? Four thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Plus another one thousand dollars for consulting services. Ah, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, given the fact that it's probably made with the kind of, you know, millions, untold millions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, 
So it's that's about thirteen thousand dollars in twenty twenty two dollars apparently if you or, inflation. Yeah. But yeah, so the um Ben Riggs yes. of um oh, the, the Dragon. The history fame, guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um has a copy of the original contract. Oh. So he posted that on his blog, mm. the original contract. <laughs> so I mean it's just it's it's just an interesting little nugget of history, really. There's yeah. nothing sort of you know, groundbreaking in there. But it's just like four thousand dollars, you think that just doesn't seem like a lot of money, does it? No. Given given how successful it's been since. Well, it's just one of those things. It's an idea that he worked up and sold, mm. and then it was the coach had to do the rest of the work on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or TSR has it was. Uh, so yeah, mm. and it's been very popular. And it's not like he's not doing anything with it, if I recall correctly. Oh, of course, yeah. He's written books yeah. for TSR. He's written all sorts of stuff for TSR. So he's presumably yeah. been paid well for that sort of stuff. And, and honestly, if you got like the world's largest game studio boosting your idea and acknowledging you along with it, then mm. that's that's the sort of publicity you literally cannot buy. Mm. So, yeah. Um, on the one hand, he could have kept it to himself. But on the other, he can still... He is still, and is still profiting off uh, its profitability. So, tricky one. Okay. But yeah. I guess so. So, anyway, I find it interesting anyway. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. Well, bear in mind that uh, Eberron... Yes. Um, ...was 100,000 from yes. Keith Baker. Mm-hmm. And that was through that setting search, wasn't it? Yeah. And the winner right. got their... Um, Got their setting purchase for one hundred thousand dollars. So that was everyone. Thirteen years later, true, but still, it is it it is twenty times more money. Well, the market was swap bigger then, wasn't it? So you Mm -hmm. know, like I mean, don't forget, like back in what nineteen eighty seven, the hobby was what just so eleven years old, something like that, and they were. It was just one of many lines. Um, yeah, I suppose. I, no, yeah, you're right. It's just yeah. uh, they, they could have gone with Greyhawk, mm. and then it would be like the Forgotten Realms might have been uh, forgotten about. Mm. But yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think, I think, I think, like he might not be able to get more money, and he's done quite well of it. So you know, it's just as it is. Yeah. If you choose something different, then maybe it would have worked out for him. But they certainly wouldn't have been able to give him like a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think they turned over a hundred thousand dollars, did they? Yeah. Maybe they did. Yeah, yeah. TSR was doing really well at one point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had like they had like, you know, hundred staff and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. They were massive at one point. Mm-hmm. But I think we kinda of covered the news now. There is an awful lot this week. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> There's only one Kickstarter I wanted to mention because I I just saw it and it's called Exotic Equipment Perks. Oh, nice. This is by someone called Justin Handlin. Yeah. And basically, it, uh, it's kind of weird. It, it kind of sells itself by saying, in 5e, the single largest lackluster choice is the weapons. Which it's fair. Okay. I, I don't disagree. I don't, I, don't I, 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 don't, I don't know if I could agree, but I don't disagree either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily the single largest lackluster choice, but I, 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 yeah. I, I do agree, and we, we obviously did this in Level it, Up as well, yeah, yeah. that you could distinguish the weapons more interestingly. No, I understand where you're coming from now. There's there's a lot of competition for the single most lackluster choice. <laughs> but it's definitely a lackluster choice. Is that, yeah. is that where we are? Okay, cool. Kind, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not super comfortable when you advertise your product by uh, tearing down someone else's, though. That no, it's very It does me a little bit, but, yeah. but whatever. Anyway, um, so, but it looks in- interesting, and I'm, I am interested in this. So basically, they've got things like exotic equipment perks. Mm-hmm. Uh, an equipment perk is a special skill or technique that can be used with a specific weapon or piece of armor, and that allows each piece of equipment to feel unique. Mm. So I think that's kind of, 
kind of cool. So the equipment perks are like a feature of the item. Yeah. And you can and, and to use it, you've got to be proficient with the item. Yeah. So basically, anyone can swing a great sword around. But yeah. uh, to use its perks, you've got to you've got to be proficient. Hmm. So it's kind of like combat maneuvers combined with weapon properties, almost. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that this would probably be a lot easier to do and level up. Mm-hmm. Like it would take me about half a day to do something like that. Maybe I should. That'd be nice. Be a nice little exercise. Uh, but anyway, no fair fair play. It's a much difficult, much much more difficult job in five E. So uh, fair play to the chap. Yeah, well, it has it has funded at a five thousand dollar goal. It's just gone over six thousand dollars. It's still got twelve days to go, so it's going to happen. It's going to exist. This book. No, I might I might pick it up myself. I am interested just to see what it's like. Yeah, I am failing to find the thing I want to show you, which oh. is called Apocalypse, which is. The Complete Games Master's Guide to Ending the World. Ooh! Uh, it has, it, it's so weird because it's got quite a star studded cast of people who design games writing for it. Uh, Mike Shea is writing for it. Uh, Colin Chang, Kat Evans, um, Rich Scoofler, uh, and some, and some other people who I'm There's lots of people, lots of people we know. Yeah. 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 Um, who are known for doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's quite exciting looking. I will. I say so I'm struggling to find it. My it's not coming up. On, it's it, I could, I've got it on my phone. I don't have it in my browser. But anyway, so uh, it's all about world-ending apocalypses. Apocalypse eye. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. So is a top of ice cream. <laughs> it's world-endingly good. Yeah. Uh, so they've got game scenarios which can be the basis for a one-shot or an entire campaign. Fantasy, contemporary, sci-fi, and local, global, or universal apocalypse, which I think is pretty interesting, to be honest. Uh, they've got battle maps, VTTs, and uh, other tools to make it easy to use. It's not funded, uh, which confuses me a bit. It's like 4.6k of a 7.5k goal. How long has it got to go? Uh, 27 days. So there's... Oh, there's, there's time. That'll be fine. Set, Still, still hope, but uh, yeah. I was just... Uh, so it's only just started, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a new one. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah, the title literally is Just Apocalypse. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you scroll down, it does have the colon. I think maybe they fell afoul of the fact that you can only put a limited number of ca- characters into your Kickstarter title. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, It's a like... pretty looking book. Yeah. A uh, lot of people involved as well. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I just read out the names that uh, like really le- leapt out at me, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a big old team there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, look, look, looks pretty solid. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, it's led by Alan Tucker, who's a forty-year gaming vet. So there we go. With many best-selling titles, vet- veterinarian. Yes, that's correct. He <laughs> is an expert on taking your games and. Treating them like the sick animals they become. Possibly sitting, <laughs> sitting their poor little paws in castles, turns they take them out back and shooting them like they deserve. Giving them worming tablets, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You don't know, you don't know. I mean, you think cats are bad to try and get medication into. Uh, uh, a game is much more tricky. Luckily, dogs are quite easy to get medication. <laughs> like, Do you want to put this in your mouth? No, <laughs> right. I understand you have sort of the opposite problem. <laughs> Stop eating plastic, you gremlin! <laughs> right, right. Okay, I think we're done with the news. Yes.
Today's lesson in the arcane arts is all about the spell Magic Missile. Uh, I, I have a question. Yes? What is it, young lad? Why is it called Magic Missile? Well, it is a missile and it is magic. But it's not very inspiring, is it? What do you mean, not very inspiring? Well, it lacks a bit of pizzazz. Pizzazz? Wonder, mystery, excitement, you know, drama. Drama? Yeah, I mean, whoever named that spell... Ah, yes, the late, great, magnificent wizard, Kevin. Ah, uh, yes, Kevin, he didn't put a lot of effort into it, did he? Not a lot of effort? Wait, wait a minute. Go back a second. Did you say he was called Kevin? Yes, his name was Kevin. Not like Marvello the Wondrous or Ixitaturus the Lesser or something? No, his name was Kevin. And he named his spell Magic Missile? Yes, what of it? Uh, can we get back to the lesson, please? Oh, I'm having second thoughts about all of this. I joined Wizard School for the flair and the adventure. The flair? The adventure? You know, the, the jazz, as it were. The jazz? Yeah. The arcane arts should fill us with awe and mystery, but this, well, this is just boring. Boring? The study of sorcery is boring? Ah, it's all a bit mundane. You know, magic missile indeed, look, created by Kevin. Now, if it was a Malak the Maleficent's marvellous witchbolt, or Andrakor the Mighty's unstoppable esoteric arrow, but no, we get magic missile, charm person, detect magic, light, shield, sleep, wizard lock. Get this, cure wounds. It's all just so drab. Hmm. Look, the names are not important. What matters? is a deep and mysterious connection to the arcane weave which permeates the world and allows us to perform miraculous feats with the wave of a hand and the utterance of a word. Ah, that's all very well, but a little bit of imagination wouldn't go amiss, would it? I mean, spend years of your life perfecting a spell which will become truly iconic, the mainstay of wizards all across the land, and then call it magic missile? It's, it's just not on. Well, there's nothing you can do about it, my young apprentice. So I suggest you just grit your teeth and get on with it. Maybe I should multi-class. Multi-class? Into what? What if a character class even approaches the awe-inspiring power of the mighty arts arcane? I could be a paladin and smite evil fiends with my holy avenger. Or, or a rogue and disable devious traps with nothing but my wits and a set of lockpicks. Oh, that does sound fun. Perhaps a berserker. Filled with rage, tossing enemies asunder like ragdolls. Or a stoic ranger patrolling the wilderness and living off the land with only the plants and the beasts as friends. Well, when you put it like that... Yeah, to join me. I think Fighter 101 begins next door in just a few minutes. You get to wear chainmail and everything. I'm in. Let's go! Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. 
Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right. All right. Don't forget. Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So we're going to do a a quick preview of the year ahead for Ian Publishing. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. I I thought thought I'd find out what's going on with Ian Publishing. I think you probably know, don't you? Generally. Uh, I've got some idea. I know the Void Runners Codex Mm. has come out. The art I've seen for that has been very interesting. Mm. And there is a certain amount of back and forth scurrying around on the... uh, uh, the A5E designers Discord and uh, the various back channel DMs and private conversations that spring up, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know what you feel comfortable bringing out into the no. uh, open world. Wow! Well, as, as of next week, we've got uh, our mini quick starters starting up again. Mini mini quick starters. Oh yes, yes. Start, starting with a Halloween themed one, launching on Tuesday, and oh. we're going to be doing those for a few months. Nice, nice. And then early next year, yeah. We have got to save a kingdom. Yeah, I've seen something about that. That is sort of the. It, would Would you say that's like the level up advanced fifth edition default setting, or how would you describe it? Well, so this is these these adventures we did for five e originally, yeah. and mm. originally I think for Pathfinder, oh, if I recall yeah. correctly, the first the first ever iteration. So yeah. it's to slay a dragon. Yes. Um, to stake a vampire. Right. And to smite a fiend. Right. So, altogether, those three adventure pathways are coming under To Save a Kingdom. Into, right? into, yeah, into one hardcover book. Right, right. So, they're all set in Elisar, which is the sort of, um, I won't say Tolkien esque, but it's sort of more Tolkien esque yeah. than it is Forgotten Realms esque. Yeah. So, it's, in, in, it's kind of feel. Not not to sort of a fancy Europe vibe, is that what it should be taking away? Well, it's, it's less kitchen sinky, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's trying yeah. to focus more on things. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's going to hit Kickstarter. I think it's round about March. I can't remember exactly when oh. we got that slotted in, but round about March. It's, it's going to be a big old book as well. It's going to be like four or five hundred pages, I think. It's well, out. yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a full adventure pathway, um, so I guess the obvious things to ask are what sort of level does it peak out at? Um, I think probably it goes up to about 16, 17, but I'm not 100% sure offhand. Yeah, so that's, pre- that's pretty... Pretty tanky yeah. these things. So memories so. memory of Holdenshire is like the prelude to it, right? Okay, yes, because that's set in the same same place as well. Mm-hmm. So it follows directly on from yeah. memories of Holdenshire, and it starts off in Holdenshire. Okay, that's pretty cool. Huh? And then but the first adventure is in LSR then. LSR's the world. Holdenshire yeah. is a county in that world. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, the first adventure is about travelling off to a dragon's lair and killing the dragon, very the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And having adventures along the way. Yeah. Um, the second adventure, I mean, I don't want to give out too many spoilers. What, but for involves, the Two Stake of Vampire book? <laughs> it involves a powerful vampire. And the third one <laughs> is more world-spanning and involves a, a, a fiend of some kind. Okay, nice. So, I obviously you got that. So, obviously, it's level of advanced edition. Are you playing mm. any... Is are there any heritages or cultures which make MSR really Not unique? Not that much. There's little. There's little bits in there, but it is an adventure rather yeah. than a, a source book. A setting book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I think there's a couple of cultures in there and mm-hmm. some bits and pieces, and obviously there's quite a lot of new monsters 
and okay. NPCs and things in there. But it is definitely an adventure rather than a source book. So it's not... Right, right. doesn't, yeah. like, have a chapter of, like, no, archetypes no. or anything. <laughs> yeah, we're not expecting new archetypes, new, new, new classes, but it's this nine... Yeah. Like, what? There's, there's a couple of setting-specific cultures. I'm sure you didn't say 900 pages. That would be wild. Like, 500 no, pages. No, 500 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still... Goodness, that is... Like a real shoulder strainer of a book is what it's I'm saying. It's quite big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's three decently sized adventures in themselves, and they've already, they already exist for 5e. Yeah. You can pick them up for 5e already. So these, mm. they basically got revised and largely expanded as right. well. Right. Okay, yeah. So basically, uh, the exploration pillar was used to enhance them massively. Oh, yes. Yes, I imagine. We've got that whole support for that and social mm. encounters. Yeah. Um, uh, who who's is it like the original authors coming back and revisiting them and the like the feedback they've had or uh, so I wrote the first one to Slay a Dragon oh really or wrote the first one Slay a Dragon and Mike cool. Miner wrote the second two uh huh yeah back at back for five E mm-hmm. and then he is edi- editing them all up five E right. um he's, he's got a team of um, a five E designers who you know are doing bits for it as well. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the, the extra material there's a lot of extra material which they're writing. Right, right, okay. So uh, we've got the exploration encounters. Obviously, you've got access to the whole of the A five E books. What? Mm-hmm. I suppose you've got to add in things like maybe put signal things which are havens and so forth. Yeah. So yeah. So we've got we've had to design the world for it. Yes. Because the world didn't exist True. when it first came out in five E. Um, it was oh, okay. kind of default. This will slot into your Forgotten Realms. Yeah, it was like this county is called Holdenshire. Yeah. You don't need to know any more than that. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. You know too so much. We, we, so we've had, to, we've had to create the entire world, and right. you can find that at worldofelsr.com. There's a map of the world um, and some tidbits about it. Okay. So that okay. so the world now exists. Yeah. And yeah, and that like let us mess around with the exploration pillar and put journeys in there and, mm. you know, travel and things like that. Oh, and the journey activities and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and design some regions and things. And mm. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I yeah. like the world. I mean, it is, like I say, it's not as kitchen sinky as Forgotten Realms. It's more Tolkien-esque. It's more, mm. You know, like Tolkien's Middle-earth's a bit more unified. Uh, it's, there's it's, less it's, bizarre boundaries. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I think... Rather than kitchen sink, I think more Xanthian to describe that whole, like Piers Anthony's Xanth, where you're just like going around and you go from one place to another and you're like, this is a new and a random place. This is a new genre. A new genre, right. yes. Yeah, yeah. So as Tolkien is the same genre. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, I guess in a way. So, that, so, so maybe we, that's a better way to describe it. So it all sort of like elides to mm. each part. So, so if um, I was wanting to play in it, I'd have access obviously to your. Uh, to the adventurer's guide, are there mm. any what what is there any particular places that would be good or that would catch your eye as something that's exciting for you or well, something to explore I mean, and develop? I think it's quite interesting in that the whole world itself has some particular rules that apply to it. Oh yeah, like for example, there are very very few clerics. Oh, please, players can be clerics. That's fine, right? But right. but the idea is, you're if you're a cleric, you're right. Yeah. Most priests in the world have no magical powers at all. They can't mm. do anything. They're, they're like real world people. So oh, okay. They don't have any divine power. So yeah. cl- actual clerics yeah. are rare. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, they are just people who are like, gods are good, but magic power isn't within yeah. my thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So the cosmology is different. 
Yes, clearly. Um, it is, a, again, a little bit Tolkien-esque. So basically, mm-hmm. um, rather than having a whole great wheel of planes, yes, yeah. there's just like three planes. Oh. That's the Dreaming and the Bleak Gate, which right, are kind right. of like the mirror planes of the Waking. Yeah. But yeah. so um, you've got the sort of heaven plane and the hell plane, essentially, the good plane and the bad plane. Right, that makes a lot of sense, yeah, yeah. And the bad plane is located deep within the Earth. Oh, okay. Sort of very Hadean, Tartarus sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the good plane is located somewhere off over the sea, which is kind of, yeah. that is kind of talking here. That, that, that's like, your like, totally too, get, like, That's very similar to, yeah. Yeah, lands yeah, of the West. I get that. Yeah. Um, like the elemental planes, for example, there's no elemental plane. Oh, okay. So, the, um, but, but they sort of are, because elemental planes are basically areas where that element is concentrated. So, like, mm-hmm. in a volcano, that's yeah. basically the plane of fire. If you're deep uh-huh. under the sea, yeah. in the depths of the ocean, that's basically the plane of... Yeah, it's more of, like, maybe a polar sort of concept. Yeah, it's more just, like, plane. concentrations of an element basically mm-hmm. form the same function that a plane would have done yeah, yeah. In, in a cosmic wheel kind of setup. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. So there's no, there's no sort of gods and devils and demons and all that. There's just kind of one type of being. Yeah, I forget what name we gave them anyway. And there's just lots and lots some of... sort of celestial... Yeah, and there's lots and lots of them, and some are good and some are evil and yeah. stuff like that. Some of them are on the world and some of them aren't. Yeah. And there's some examples of ones that are on the world. Yeah. Uh, and are just kind of wandering around doing stuff. Okay, so is there sort of this, like, Manichaean good versus evil eternal war, or...? Uh, no, because it isn't quite so organised into sides. It's more hmm. individuals. Okay, yeah. And I, th- I think, generally speaking, the whole thing's a little less black and white, good and evil. Mm-hmm. Sort of like there's room for shades of grey, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun setting. I, I quite like it. Um, yeah. And it, it, basically, the first um, the first adventure was always kind of like The Hobbit. Yeah. To yeah, set yeah. a dragon. A really and it kind of grew from there and just kept that kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. That Tolkien-esque feel to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, it does It does borrow from Tolkien in places, definitely. Yeah, I, I, like, obviously Tolkien has a huge influence on a lot of people, but, like, I think mm. you're feeling, like, a real special connection mm. to that work and that sense of journeying. Mm. Um, that seems to be something that you were very keen on. I've always, yeah, I've always had a connection to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, I, mean, I, I, I suppose, like, uh, if you're going out in the New Forest, there's very much a sense of, well, there is a large selection of I don't know what's over the next hill, so I best go have a look. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, like especially like the local, like the gorse and the shrubbery, and it's just like, and then there's some trees, and it's mm. just, and then a pony <laughs> or a donkey, even better. Anyway, so yeah, so that's Marchish. Yes, yeah, and then we'll do some more mini quick starters. At some point in there, we're doing a hardcover compilation of Gate Pass Gazette. Oh wow, we're going to be doing annuals. So each year we can do a hardcover annual of the Gate Pass Gazette. Oh, that is dangerous. I love it. I don't know if we're doing that by Kickstarter or not. I'm not sure we are. Mm-mm. But we're doing that. And then, yeah. of course, the Void Runners Codex is later in the year. Yeah. And we've got, at the moment, we've got play test focus groups. Yeah. Play testing yeah. the Starship rules for that. So they're getting paid to do it. Mm-hmm. And we had, like, I can't remember, a few dozen applicant, applicants from the yeah, yeah, yeah. groups. I, I, um, so, I almost got an application in, but I needed to have my players sorted out first. Which was an insuperable goal. You, we probably wouldn't have gone with you anyway because you've got too much of a connection with oh. like the designers and stuff. Oh, we'd rather enough. have someone who's just had no connection at all with. Fair enough. Because they have to, they have to like play test it completely blind. 
Ah. They can't ask us questions. If they've got a rules question, they can't ask us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, because if you've got your book at home, you can't ask the designer, can you? That's true. Uh, I, I was just thinking I'd have had go because, um, I tend to go and try and do things rules as written. Mm. Um, rather than ask. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's exactly what we, we want for yeah. this. Mm. So, so we got three groups doing it and nice. they're recording their sessions on video. Right. They have to do four hours of playtesting throughout October. They can split it up or do it in one go whenever they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have to sit down and watch those videos. They're not for the public. No, no, of course not. No one will see them. But um, watch those videos. And we just find out where the pain points were, where people got stuck, where they got lost, where they couldn't figure a rule mm. out, where where things didn't work as smoothly as we'd have liked. You know, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Mm. And So it's kind of different to the mass playtest approach. Yeah. Which is you get thousands of people playtesting and then doing a survey. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's we're going to get focus groups yeah. who are unconnected to us, yeah. who can't ask us for advice or know what our intentions are yeah. or were, mm-hmm. and see how they get on with the rules as written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've uh, been in one of those sort of things that was run out of conventions. That was pretty mm. interesting. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We won't know anything more about that until the end of October. But that's Void Runners Codex, which is our sci fi book. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not like magic sci fi, it's sci fi sci fi. Mm-hmm. Um, so Although it's got psionics in, if I. Got psionics in it, yeah, yeah. yeah. But mm. it's but if you want if you want to do something like Starfinder, which is basically magic and sci-fi, yes, you'd have to combine them. You'd have to combine like the Adventurer's Guide from A five E with Void Runners Codex, or you can just use Void Runners Codex. I can't talk. Void Runners Codex and just do Star Wars or just do Star Trek or whatever. You could just run a strict sci-fi campaign, which is all about the technology. Yeah. Or yeah. if you if your player's like I want to play a yeah. Azabar cleric, you should be like, Are you sure? Yeah. There's a whole nice new book. Fine, well, fine. Here, play it. Well, that's all setting dependent. We say. Yeah. So what we're writing is a rule book, not a setting. Okay, yeah. So you decide on your setting, and we might put up the settings for it. Yeah. But this this rule book is like the D and D player's handbook. It's not a setting. It's a rule book. Okay. Then you use a setting with it, don't you? So mm-hmm. your setting might be a sci-fi setting. Your setting might be a Starfinder-esque magic sci-fi setting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're very keen on Star Wars. Mm. Uh, also quite keen on Star Trek. If I'm more so than Star Wars, I'd say. More, you're, you're, you're more of a Star Trek than Star Wars fan. Right? I would say so, yeah. Okay. No, I, I don't think we've ever had that conversation. I mean, I like them both. Yeah, yeah. Them. No, I like them both very much. But I, I think I've, since a kid, always veered towards Trek. Yeah, sort of like sort of uh, the utopia. I I mean, to be fair, it's slightly harder science fiction, I guess. I'll say, yeah, (laughs) not not much in it. Uh, Yeah, Uh, the technology is more focused, shall we say? Yeah, but also it has things that Star Wars doesn't have, like transporters and things like Mm, that. Even Star Wars doesn't have those. No, that's true. Because that is basically just magic, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's not a thing that can exist. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, should we expect transporters? I suppose we've got the technology, so to speak, in terms of game, Mm. that you can just nick it out of... I uh, think there are, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, fair enough. it It feels like it's still in quite... Early stages. Yeah, well, we've got a we've got a manuscript. Yeah, it's going through editing at the moment. Mm, 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 mm. And then, of course, a lot of playtesting because there's new systems. Like the Starship Combat System is a totally new system. Yeah, yeah. And a new system needs to be playtested a lot more than just like a new class or a new set of feats or anything. Because mm, mm, mm. at least those things already have the core system in place. They're just modules for that system. Yeah, Starship yeah. Combat System is an actual new rule set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still uses obviously the core mechanic of D20. 
Mm. Blah, blah. But yeah. it's, a, it's a new... I don't quite like how it works. I mean, you know, mm. when the playtests come back, we might find any entire approach doesn't work and we have to go back to the drawing board. That's what yeah. playtests are for. Yeah, but yeah. at the moment, it's, it's zone-based. Mm. Yeah. So in, on your turn, you can stay in your zone or you can move to another zone. Yeah. yeah. Um, zones in a Starship combat could be sort of like an area around a planet or a nebula is another zone or deep space is another zone. Oh, okay. The yeah. shield generators around the Star Destroyer are a zone. Mm. You know, so there's different zones. You can move from zone to zone with your move. Yeah, yeah. You can attack things in the same zone as you, or mm. if you've got long-range weapons in an adjacent zone. Right, right. Um, so you can do all that sort of stuff. Starfighters kind of work more like mounts in that it's your character mm. you play rather than the ship. Yeah, yeah. You just um, have the option of being alive in space and flying around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and capital ships mm. have... A number of sort of power points that they can spend to do stuff, and mm. if your character's on a capital ship, you can move between decks and do different things. Uh, okay, it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out. Whether that's gonna be a little too granular or not, I'm not sure. But it does feel like there's a lot of like zipping back and forth between focus, which is yeah. very cinematic. Well, the one thing, well, yeah, it's all based around the characters, not ships. Yeah. So it's what you, know, you don't you don't move a capital ship. Your character on the capital ship does something. Which might mm. result in a capital ship moving, but it's your mm. character doing something. So it's the mm. characters that are taking actions, not the ships. Keep keeping the head most of the characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And there's no designated roles like you are the person doing the shields for the next forty-five minutes of the gameplay. Yeah, you yeah. know, nothing like that. Yeah. Anyone can pretty much do run around and do different mm. things. So yeah. there's fun stuff to do constantly, and it's designed so that things like boarding parties can easily, because it's character-based rather than ship-based, mm. can be happening at the same time and. Oh, you, know, you yeah, might be yeah. fighting off a boarding party in engineering while someone else is manning the guns while someone else is doing this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. So, so it's less dolphins pulling a chariot. It's more like, um, it feels like it's going back to like the 1950s, 1960s where boarding actions, the great lensmen, all that sort of series, that was, that was where it was at. Mm. Massive ship shooting things at each other, but it basically boiled down to a group of people with axes rushing at each other. Sharing. Yeah, that's but the big ships can shoot at each other too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. Uh, so that's that's that. So that's later in here. That's probably next summer. Mm-hmm. And that's about as far as we've got planned so far. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. Summer. Okay. Um, and how oh, about- no, we've got oh. the starter set. The starter set? Or the upgrade kit, as we're calling it. Ah, yes, yes, the upgrade so kit. So this is a £20 box. Yes. And the idea is it's designed for people that have 5e. Yes. I would Don't like to spend £150 on three big hardcover <laughs> level up books yet. <laughs> you could get them so, in installments. It's like yeah. if you get the Monstrous Menagerie, then that pays for itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but this starter kit contains um, like a 32-page rule book. Yes. Which basically, instead of giving you the whole rules of the game, it just says, right, we assume you know how to play 5e. Yes. You've got the 5e rules. Yes. These are the changes. Yes. And a 32-page starter adventure. Yeah. Which showcases some of the. Mm-mm. It's got a little journey in there, for example, and it's got, yeah. you know, little this, bits and pieces. This working off uh, Memories of Holdshire, or is this a different one? It's set in the same world. Right, so it's an but it's not part of the same. Yeah, it's not part yeah. of the same story. Or anything. Oh, okay, okay. Nice, nice. Um, so, yeah, so that is going to be coming out next year at some point, too. Ooh, yeah. so the reason we did that was because what we discovered, and mm. you were there, at yes, the Games yeah. Expo, <laughs> three large hardcover books is a hard sell yeah. as an impulse buy. Well, a twenty a twenty yes. pound box set upgrade yeah. kit would mm. be a much easier sell. Mm. It's more of a convention type product. Absolutely, it goes over like, a lot better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas the hardcover books are something like when someone buys 
level up off of us, mm. I bet they've done like loads of research beforehand. And we only see the bit where they end up at our site and buy it. Yeah. We don't know what they've been doing before that. Oh, but they, they're not buying it on impulse. No, no. They've come to that decision after research and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't do that at a convention, really. No, no. I mean, you're just wandering around looking at stuff. There's mm. a lot of people shouting around, and um, it's a question of, like, do you have a good feeling about it? Mm. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So, there. So, that's that. I don't know. Yeah, that is basically it. We've got the Combat Maneuver cards will be going out. I mean, they're on their way out to people now. Oh, uh, If you're in America, you'll get them first. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I suppose <laughs> they should get a turn. Yeah. yeah. I um, had my books months before the Americans. I was not smug about that in any way. Yeah. Um, we're yes. not sure yet what other cards we're doing. The plan is to do spell cards probably at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer, I suppose, in a way. Mm. And that's kind, of, that's kind of the plans for the next mm. year or so. Yeah, fair enough. Sounds like you've got it all well in hand. Hmm. What's the work? I mean, all three of those big books have all now been written. Yes. Well, Dungeon Girl was the old guide is out now, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, the other two big books have been written now. Mm. So, uh, like, uh, To Save the Kingdoms, run into layout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it sounds like it's all uh, chugging along and you've mm. got, got the plan set for it. Yeah. yeah. Working hard. Yes. Oh, get past Gazette with a... And we're also thinking about a little delve into board games, starting oh. with a card game. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. But I can't really talk about that quite yet because we've actually signed anything with the creator. <laughs> <laughs> but we will. But we, I think we're going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like a, a good choice, yeah. I mean, mm. if you're going to, board games are just way bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't got the visibility no, no. in card games and board games that we have in RPGs, so we're kind mm. of starting off from scratch there. So, mm. But certainly yeah. showing up at conventions is going to be a yeah. good thing. Is that actually yeah convention circuit? Is that something that you'll be doing? Yeah, Is, are you doing, going to send off Jess? What's the plan? So we're doing Dragon Meat. Yeah, and we're doing UK Games Expo. Yeah, the general plan was for Jess and possibly Jim to go to other conventions. There's nothing locked in yet, but yeah. the general plan is to have some representation at other. Yeah, you know, they're the two yeah. big ones, which we'd all yeah. go as a as a company. Yeah. yeah. But for other ones, you can just have one or two people just pop along and not yeah. necessarily have a stand there, but be yeah. at the convention at least, hmm. you know, being visible. Talk about mm. it, uh, but not plans to run lots of demo games and so forth, unless you can find volunteers. Yeah, well, there's that too, yeah. 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 So yeah, that, that that's our plans. We do have plans. Well, thanks for cluing us all in as to the plans for Ian Publishing. Mm. It's an inexorable goal to dominate the world, or at least... Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess we're done then, aren't we? Right, I will see you next week. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. 
You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Well, as we were driving the other day, we were driving along the road, and sort of like 20 pigs were just trotting along the road towards us. Not yeah. with anybody or anything, just trotting no. along the road towards us. 20 pigs. And like, <laughs> okay. It's our, it's our road now. What are you going to do about we'll it? We'll just stop and wait then, I guess. <laughs> no, please, please, after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was odd. 